Come on in church. I love that phrase, your king on both sides of the stone. Amen. Quite a statement. He's king on both sides of the stone. I want to continue our, our teaching on health and well-being as, as a theme. And, you know, research would tell us that our health and well-being can be determined by where you live for either good or for bad. I want to talk this morning about a different place to live, not a geographical place, but a spiritual place this morning. I want to talk about living in the moment and living in a faith moment. But I want to speak this morning from Matthew 8, 5 to 13. And I want to look at the faith of a Roman officer. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and is in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come and if I say to my slaves do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, <coughs> excuse me, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom in heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. I'm talking about living in the moment. And you know, there's certain events that, that many of us seen take place in our lifetime and when they happen, it's as if we've been frozen in time. They take a place that we will always remember them and we'll know exactly where we were when they happened. In my era, which covers this year up to about 66 years, on the 22nd of November, 1963, JFK was assassinated. I was eight years old and I still remember right now as if it was yesterday where I was and what I was doing. I was sitting in the living room in Tangling Shamrock Drive off the lake. My mum and dad was in the kitchen and I was watching the TV and then a news flash came up that the president had been killed. I remember it well as if it was frozen in time. And there are many other events that we can all recall. Where were you in September the 11th, 2001? I'm sure you remember. Most of us in this room can recall exactly where we were. Personally, I was in a client's office 
talking about an account that the company had with our, our company. And one of his employees came running into the office to tell us that a plane had just flown in to one of the Twin Towers. We went immediately to another room and we turned the TV on and we watched horrified as a second plane crashed into the other tower. That event has been frozen in time, frozen in my memory is like it was yesterday. There are events that are etched into our minds and our hearts and they'll be there forever. We remember because in each case there was a moment in time when everything seemed to change. When nothing would ever be the same again. And there are times when God speaks to us and there are times when God speaks to me so clearly and it's frozen in time. It's like I'm there, I'm right in his presence and it's frozen in time. When God speaks to me, it usually starts with a phrase that goes in my mind and then it goes on and it develops from there. And it started with the word moment and it grew to the phrase like a moment in time and I started to think how often that our lives are built around brief moments in time there's brief moments when things come into our life and things change and it seems to be changed forever sometimes they change for the worse but many times they change for the better some are spontaneous and some are planned but it's always better when we learn to live in that moment knowing that God is in that very moment when we know that God is in that moment we should be fully present we should be fully committed and we should be fully aware now let's walk through this passage together about this Roman officer First of all, we see the centurion's request in verses 5 to 7. Lord, come and heal my servant. Now this miracle takes place in the town of Capernaum. And Capernaum is just a small fishing village just north of Galilee. I've seen it said that the population is about 1,500 at this time. It's a small place. We're told in the Bible not to despise small things it's a small place small population but it's an important fact to remember that this was the hometown for about five of the disciples can anything come out of a small town five of Jesus disciples came out of this small town Matthew 4 13 tells us that Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum after meeting the temptation in the wilderness here he met James, John, Peter, Andrew all fishermen and Matthew a tax collector five of his disciples in that small town Jesus was from Nazareth but Capernaum would become the focal point of much of his ministry and as Jesus comes into Capernaum this centurion comes to him asking for help now a centurion was a, an officer in the Roman army who was in charge 
about 100 men. So this man would have been a Gentile and not a Jew. And he comes asking for help for his servant. Matthew tells us that his servant, this servant was lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. Luke tells us in a critical condition and close to death. This Roman officer was concerned for the well-being and the welfare of his servant. Now this officer being a Gentile and not a Jew, Gentile and not a Jew reminds us that anyone who's in need can come to Jesus. You just need to be willing to ask. And he was. So in that moment, the centurion brought this request to Jesus. What a moment. What a moment for this man to come into the presence of Jesus, bringing a request. And also in that moment, we see that Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing to help this man. He helped the centurion. And if he helped the centurion, he will help you. Look at the conversation. The centurion was asking for nothing for himself. But here's what you need to know. When you come to Jesus with a need, he is more willing to help than you are willing to ask. Did you get that? He is more willing to help than you are to ask. He's more willing to give than you are to receive. God wants more for you than you want for yourself. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think. Now look again at verse 7. The rabbis of that day taught that any Jew who enters a Gentile home was considered unclean. But Jesus was willing to put God's work above any religious rules. He was willing to go. He was willing to break the religious taboos and go to this man's house. In fact, so much that he even performed at least seven separate miracles in the Sabbath, which broke all those taboos. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He did what was necessary to carry out his ministry and to do the will of his father. Here's a truth to remember. Jesus not only wants to help, he is actually eager to do so. Jesus didn't say to the centurion, I will come and see what I can do. He said, I will come and I'll heal him. That was his statement of intent. I will come and I will heal him. He didn't doubt the power of the Father and you and I should never doubt his willingness to help. Now look at the authority of the centurion which really translates to the authority, the authority of the believer and the authority you and I have. The centurion said, say the word, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And there are at least two things that stand out about this authority. And this is the centurion's authority. When you claim authority, you should remember your position. You should remember your place and you should remember your position. And it's a place of humility. The centurion here 
wasn't claiming his own authority. He doesn't think he is worthy or even deserving that Jesus would come to his house. He just knows the authority of God, the authority of Jesus, and he knows the chain of command. He just calls out for the mercy of Jesus. And so do we. We call on the mercy of Jesus. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit means that you recognize your spiritual poverty. You recognize your spiritual bankruptcy. You recognize your complete lack of resources and your complete dependency in God. The humbling of self is absolutely necessary when we come to Christ. The truth is that none of us are worthy. Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That we're all justified freely by grace through the redemption that's by Christ Jesus. Another thing we need to remember, Jesus is not here to do our will. We are here to do his. Just as we need to know our place, we need to claim that authority. We must remember God's place. The centurion comes with humility, but he also comes with confidence. Matthew 8 and 8, where he says, just say the word, just say the word, Lord. That's authority. The centurion knew his place. He doesn't ask Jesus to pray for the servant to get better. He asks him to command the healing. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's authority. That's recognition of authority. He knew what it was like to command and be commanded. Remember, he was in charge of 100 men. He knew that when orders were given, that people obey. He tells Jesus, I myself am a man under authority. And authority goes all the way up. His orders only carried weight with his men because he himself was under the command of someone else. He was under authority and he recognized the chain of command and the chain of authority and it went all the way up. If you disobeyed one of these orders, you were also disobeying the person next up in the chain of command. So if you disobeyed one, you were disobeying right to the top. And that's a very important principle in scripture. The Bible teaches us that authority is given. Jesus said that all authority has been given to him on heaven and in an earth. And it's now given to us. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't borrow it. It must be given to us by God himself. Authority goes all the way up, all the way up to God. Romans 13 and 1 says there is no authority except that which God has established. All authority comes from him. Now look at the centurion's faith, verses 8 to 12. Here we find two important teachings about faith. First of all, faith pleases God. The scriptures say here that when Jesus saw this man's faith, he was amazed 
There are only two times in scripture when the Bible says that Jesus was amazed. Once in Mark 6, when Jesus could not do any mighty miracles among the people because of the people's unbelief. It matters when we believe and it matters what we believe. The second time is right here when Jesus is amazed and this time it's not because of unbelief, it's because of their belief. I would imagine that it would take a lot to amaze Jesus. You would think so, wouldn't you? The Son of God, you'd think it would take something special to amaze him. This was something special in this portion of the scripture. The one thing that could amaze him was the amount of faith his people had or didn't didn't have. Faith pleases God. Faith alone can save. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done so none of us can boast about it. In verses 10 to 12, those who come from the east and in this portion we're talking about, those who come from the east and the west refers to the Gentiles. That's us. Jesus is speaking about us here. The Bible's speaking about us. Those who come from the east and the west, that's us. Jesus said that many Gentiles will be saved by faith, while many Jews will find themselves outside of the kingdom because of the lack of their faith. And today it's a record that far more Gentiles have accepted Christ than there are of the Jews. And of course, in the last days, there will be many Jews coming to salvation through Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? You and I were saved by faith, not by our heritage, not by our race, and not by our works. Finally, take a look at me at the centurion's reward in verse 13. Two things here. God works in response to faith. It is faith that secures healing. It's interesting that nothing is said about the servant's faith or the lack of his faith. That wasn't the point. It was the faith of the one who spoke to Jesus on his behalf. It means distance is not a barrier to God. This servant was miles away from Jesus. Distance is not a barrier to God. God is omnipresent, meaning he is present everywhere at all times. There is no such thing as distance when it comes to God. Jesus heals the centurion's servant from a distance. In fact, the servant is already healed the moment that Jesus speaks. Distance is never a barrier to God. And it's never a barrier for us. It's a problem for us both physically and spiritually at times. Paul refers to the Gentiles and says, but now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You see, there was a moment in time when Jesus became the sacrifice for sin on behalf of the whole world. And that moment is frozen in time 
so that when you and I claim that salvation through his name and that sacrifice then is applied to our lives. That moment changed everything. And that moment is a moment we need to live in. We need to live in that moment of salvation. That's the moment where we exist. That's the moment that we actually live in. When that moment we took on eternal life, that is the moment we should be living in. When God was explaining all this to me, he brought in mind to me the Cumnock Carnival. Now, the Cumnock Carnival, when I was we was probably the main event of the whole area for the day. And that's hard for an omelette man to say. The Cumnock people were great at putting on a carnival. Not so good at the football, but great at putting on a carnival. But that carnival was the big event and we all looked forward to it. There was parades, there was shows, there was wrestling at Woodrod Park, there was the Queen get crowned, etc. There was a buzz of things going on and there was thousands of people from all over the place came. And we went every year and when the parade came, we stood at the bank corner in Glesnock Street. And we stood there for a reason because sometimes the parade came along here road and sometimes it came from the square through Glesnock Street and up, up, right up Glesnock Street. So we never missed anything. If we stood at that point, it was coming and we would see the, the, the whole thing. Now God brought that back to my memory and he showed me that parade and I was standing in that spot as a wee boy watching that parade. And as he usually does when he speaks to me, he says, what do you see? And I looked at it and I said, Lord, I see the parade coming. And I'm looking up the road and I see them coming. I see the floats coming with the lorries all done up, with, you know, the crepe paper and the costumes and the dancers and the bands. They're all coming towards me. He says, that's right. You're seeing good. He says, now keep looking. And I'm looking. He says, what do you see? I said, the parade's going past me. It's going past me. And I can look up the road and I see what's went past me. But I can see a bit of what's coming as well. But the bit I'm concentrating on is a bit right in front of me. And God says, you're seeing well. Because what you're seeing in front of you is the moment that you're living in. That's the moment you're living in. And then he showed me, here's what I see. And he showed me from above. And I saw the whole parade. I saw the beginning. I saw the middle. I saw the end. He says, here's my view of time. I was looking at a parade that was a picture of linear time. Now, time is linear and it only goes one way. But God was showing me that he is outside that time. He's looking and he can see the beginning and the end all at once because he's outside time. And then he took me back to looking at the moment I was in. And I'm looking at the moment and he says, you need to understand the moment is all you have in me. That moment is all you have in me. And I looked at that and I thought, I'm grateful for that moment, Lord. That's fabulous. That's great. But I kind of looked on it in a kind of negative way as if that's all I have. But then God spoke to me another time as I was dwelling and thinking in this. He says, that moment is all you have. And he says, no, that moment is all you have. All you have. 
In that moment, all things are possible. In that moment, when you connect to me, when you touch me outside of time is where I exist, and when you touch me outside of time, you're touching me, and in that moment, all things are possible. Your life can change in that moment. In that moment's what you have, all things. And that then became a very, very positive message to me. All things are possible. And in God, when we live in that moment, all things are possible. The best is there for you if you would just grasp onto God in that moment. Where are you this morning? Are you touching God? Are you living in that moment where all things are possible? The Bible says that our sins have separated us from God and that God sent Jesus to bring us near. He wants to bring us near for that moment. That's where we need to live in that moment. We need to know that distance is no barrier to God. We need to know that time is no barrier to God. It's not a barrier for healing. It's not a barrier for salvation. Christ has no barriers. He's there no matter how far we may feel from him. When you need him, he's always there. He's always there. He was there for his disciples and he's here and he's there for you today. Just reach him. Just reach out to him. Touch him. And they will respond, folks, this is your moment. And I want you just to consider that right now. This is your moment. And if you're at home right now in your living room, wherever you're watching this, just think about that. Just close your eyes for a minute. I want to pray. Father, I thank you that your word tells us we can come boldly into your presence. And I pray that for everyone that hears my voice today would experience a God moment where they connect with you, Father God. Where they connect with you in that spiritual realm right out of time, Father God. And to find that place, Father, where all things are possible. Father, this morning, we thank you, Lord, that healing is possible. Father God, for those that are in need of a healing this morning, Father God, I pray, Father God, right now, Father God, that you reach them, Father God, as they reach to you, you reach to them, and it is done that healing is possible. I thank you, Father God, that this morning salvation is possible. Father God, there may be those listening to this, Father God, this morning that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father God, I pray this morning, Father God, that they would reach to you and accept Jesus this morning and receive salvation. Father, in this moment, everything is possible. Father, I pray, Father God, that those this morning realize, Father God, that you are everything they need you to be, Father God. And I pray this morning, Father, that in Jesus' name, you be everything that they need to be, that you need to be to them, Father. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.